Gratitude goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. My name is Darnell. For today's show, stay tuned to hear host Richard Mabian speak with Paul and John Graovac, who, along with Rich Gutowski, will continue a conversation about energy retrofits of building and homes in the inner city. Paul Graovac is vice president of New Business Development Lead AP at Build Smart. Paul has the knowledge to take a project through LEED certification and is well-versed in all aspects of green building. His son, John Graovac, is President Technical Director at Graovac Construction, LLC, which is located in Kansas City, Kansas. Tick Nat Han said, Our love and administration for the earth has the power to unite us and remove all boundaries, separation, and discrimination. Centuries of individualism and competition has brought about tremendous destruction and alienation. We need to reestablish true communication with ourselves, with the earth, and with one another as children of the same mother. We need more than and new technology to protect the planet. We need real community and cooperation. We at Equal Radio Casey are glad to encourage awareness and protection of our world. Our goal is to assure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable present for a sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. Now our show. Start by saying Happy New Year. This is a new year for us, and I know we're all looking forward to all the plans and and promises we made to everyone, that made to yourself, made to God, that you're going to do this year. Finally, it's a chance of getting started, and I'm honored to be able to have this first Eco Radio show with you this week. Before I jump into it, there's a there's a friend of mine who I'm hoping like he got a chance to be on the show. It's my my 94 year old Joe Jennings. I hope like John was able, John Drew was able to get on the show so we can hear this. Our show's gonna be about building service, building items, and. Joe Jennings was the was the building service instructor at ABTS. Uh, that was one of his jobs back when he was still working out in the field. So I'm very, and he's done a lot to make me who I am. So I'm very honored and proud to have him on the call. Now, with said, we got a good show here tonight. Uh, uh, Rick is on. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go. Let me go ahead and get people introduced first. And then I'll give you a little idea about what we're getting ready Rick, come on in, man. Hey, Richard, thanks for having me, and Happy New Year to everybody. 
Uh, my name is Rich Kodowski. I'm hail from Patterson, New Jersey, and we are. I'm a social entrepreneur uh, working on a four-city model with Richard to uh, to to help us really achieve the 2030, 2050 goals while creating a pathway out of poverty. The truth is, we cannot uh, achieve those goals in a materialistic, consumer-based economy uh, that where all the money goes to the top and none of it goes to the bottom. So. Uh, we're working on rebuilding local generative economies where we grow, make, and buy everything we need within about an hour, hour and a half of where we live. Paul? Hello, my name is Paul Grahovac. I'm in senior management at two related construction products companies, uh, ProSoCo and BuiltSmart. I live in the Quindaro area where I and my son and his wife also operate a nonprofit urban farm where we give away the vegetables. My son is here with me, and I'll let him go next. Hi, uh, this is John Grohovac. I'm a uh, carpenter, a homesteader, and a, a licensed Class A general building contractor with the specialization in improving the performance of building envelopes. Uh, I, 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 now that I'm very much aware of the fact your wife is part of your business, you let her know I will never leave her out whenever I can. She's always invited to participate with us. Even if I only talk to you, she knows that that includes her too, okay? I will make sure she knows that. I appreciate that. What we're doing here, Rick and I are going, we got three uh, sessions set up for you, not in a row. One is tonight. The next one will be um, February the 6th, uh, and that'll be with the National cap agencies we got some ideas we want to talk to them about and then the the next one is on the uh uh no no, no the next one's the 23rd 23rd of january so it will be in this month uh and it's with the young lady who is a knee jack uh member with me who is in region seven and she's in st louis and she's doing some things up there that's dealing kind of with the kind of conversation we're going to have tonight so we're going to have her on so that Rick and I and Rick and her can sit and have these conversations to explain how they are taking control of the development in their own communities and, and, and finding jobs and, 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 you know, dealing with land banks. And I might have another guy that we know named Karan. Karan, he was in town for the holidays, and I told him I might invite him to be a part of that, too. Because he was doing that here in Kansas City, Kansas, in Strawberry Hill. Then, then, then the then on the second, that's when we're going to have the National Cap Agency. We'll talk about that as we continue to go. But tonight, we're dealing with what I consider the most serious building service folks that I know. Uh, uh, Paul, he mentioned the two companies that that, that, that he's working with. Uh, the reason they are of value to me is that they that they, they produce uh, uh, energy efficiency building materials. You know, we're talking about uh, the, 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 the net zero 2050 objective. And the bottom line in everything that we're doing is every home and building in America needs to be retrofitted. So why not? find a way to create employment opportunities, job training, and skills for the people who live in the inner city, because most of those homes are over 100 years old. 
So they need that. They need the air problems and the different stuff that we're going to be talking about on the call. So I don't want to use up all our time in this first few minutes because we only have a few for the introduction. So Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is that you're going to be bringing to us. Yeah, what I'm going to do is, is start on the far left of the continuum, which begins with what can you do right now, this instant, as soon as this program is over? Because there are some things you can do just by changing your mind that's going to affect your energy bill. And then I'm going to take you on down that continuum about some more specific things you can do. And uh, finally, uh, hand it over to my son, John, uh, who can then lay out uh, more of a long-term in-depth a version of, of what can happen in, in these homes. Thank you. Oh, I think that's great. Uh, and, and, and I see Rick. Go ahead, Rick. I saw you shooting your hands up. What are you thinking there, buddy? No, no, I'm just excited because, you know, so, so, so many times we're talking at such a high level. It's like everybody gets pumped up and then they the program goes off and it's like, what can I actually do, though? So I love to hear that Paul has real tangible things that, that, that can be done. So I was yeah. just excited about that, Richard. I am too. He, uh, I mean, I, I know our time is is is, is breaking on us uh, as far as how much time we got left. Or how do you? I, I tell you what, Paul. Why don't you go ahead? I think you got enough. Share that thing about the the drapes. You you brought it to my attention. Oh yeah, uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll jump ahead a little bit on my continuum to tell you that I'm sitting in a two bedroom, seven hundred and fifty square foot. 80-year-old home uh, that has no heating system, and I moved in four years ago at four degrees below zero, and because my son uh, had airtight in the building, I still don't have a heating system. I went to Lowe's and bought a couple of electric heaters, and we maintain the heat here, and uh, I'll talk more about that, but one of the things we do is you can go to uh, Walmart or online and get what's called thermal curtains or blackout curtains. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's the next best thing to getting some high performance windows. But let me get back to what you can do right now. And, uh, I, I call it getting your mind right. If you remember Cool Hand Luke and Paul Newman, John and I lived in Idaho where it's very cold for 10 years and they have no natural gas. It's all electric heat that's expensive. And every room doesn't have a thermostat. It's got a real stat, like an electric heater. And when you're not in that room, that rheostat is off. When you're in that house, you've got your sweatpants on, you've got your sweat socks, you've got your sweatshirt, you've got a stock hat, and, uh, and you got some good covers on the bed, like you get $40, $50 sleeping bag at Walmart. That would make a heck of a difference in keeping uh, you warm in your bed. So the first thing you could do is, you know, start shutting off the rooms that you're not using. And, uh, you know, go in there and, and shut that vent in there and close the door. And if it doesn't have a door on it, hang a thermal curtain on it. And, uh, you know, right then and there, I mean, a lot of, it depends on what your family situation is. But if you're a single couple, you know, you're not using most of the house. You spend most of your time in that bedroom watching TV and probably eating too. So why are you eating the kitchen? You know, and so that, these are things that you can do. Set that show the staff to 65, which is optimum sleeping weather. And uh, those are just some of the things you can do right now uh, to, to do, have some pretty significant impact uh, on, on that bill. I'll stop right now and see what you have to say. Oh, man, that's fantastic. I'm going to tell you why. 
that's one of the reasons I'm bringing in the National Cap Agency to help them to get them involved with this because the cap agencies are the ones who President Johnson created the war on poverty with. And they have the responsibility of writing those dagger checks for people to keep from getting the utilities cut off. Okay, and I think that what you're talking about is something that those cap agencies can be able to make sure their staffs are aware of that exists. You know, it's always, where do we get the money to keep from turning off the daggum utilities? I'm president of a cap agency. I, I signed the checks. You have to have two signatures. I sign, I'm one of the signatures. So I'm, I'm personally talking about something that I experienced myself. So you're talking about something that makes so much sense that I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure we get this. Uh, I'd like to hand it over to John. And John, I'd like you to briefly describe what you did at this house. And uh, if you got any time left, take it on forward to there. And we'll pick it up. From there. And, and, and wherever he ends, we'll pick it up when we come back. So go ahead. All right, so well, this house, we, uh, we started with sealing the, the floor of the, it's a two-story, the, the basement over the, over the main story, and we, we sealed up the floor of the main story, uh, the the joists and the, the baseboards, such that we created an air barrier at that layer, separating the basement from the upstairs. Uh, so that way we only had to really worry about heating and cooling the upstairs and not worry about the downstairs, which we didn't need. And we went around and sealed all the windows with, uh, with caulking and other fluid applied sealants, and we sealed up unnecessary openings and... Uh, and that was really the, the gist of, of making sure there was an airtight shell upstairs in the house. Well, okay, we give take a break. When we come back on, I already got a question for you, John, that I want to ask you all. Uh, this is KKF5 90.1 FM. I'm Richard Mabian, your host. And what we're doing is talking about some low-hanging fruit-type items that you can be able to do yourself to help cut your utility costs. See you in a few. Support for KKFI by the Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College. The Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College, formerly the Carlson Center, has been a venue for the performing arts and arts education since 1990 and, in support of KKFI, offers a full list of events and can accept donations at jccc.edu forward slash Midwest Trust Center. Here's a calendar for the week of January 2nd, 2023. Monday, January 2nd, registration begins for Paddle Missouri to support the Missouri Stream Team Watershed Coalition. Go to paddlemo.org. Thursday, January 5th at noon, Design Your Own Native Garden will be held virtually. Hosted by Deep Roots KC, this free event will feature expert advice and explore the fundamentals of native landscapes. It's ideal for beginners and beyond. To register, go to deeproots.org. Saturday, January 7th at 8 a.m., Winter Birds Field Trip to Birchham Park is an event by the Jayhawk Audubon Society. You can meet in the main parking lot near the river, walk the road and trails in the park, and to the north. Saturday, January 7th at noon, Fishing Reels Repair Workshop is at Burr Oak Woods Conservation Nature Center, 1401 Northwest Park Road, Blue Springs, Missouri. To register, please visit the Missouri Department of Conservation. Get your fishing reel ready for spring. Saturday, January 7th at 1 p.m., 
herbal tea tasting and formulation. You can enjoy a cozy afternoon with tea at this event hosted by Jessica Layton of Sacred Sun Farm. This event is one of Brookside Farmers Market winter events. It will be held at H.J.'s Community Center, 6425 Warnall Road, Kansas City, Missouri. To purchase tickets, visit Sacred Sun Farm. Sunday, January 8th, 9.15 a.m., Bringing the Ocean Back to Kansas is the first event of the Earth Care Forum Series 2023. This will be at First Presbyterian, 2415 Clinton Parkway, Lawrence, Kansas. Open to all. Recordings will be found on YouTube. Please, listeners, stay involved. Check your local political bodies for environmental issues. To all our listeners, Happy New Year. My name is Terry. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Hi, this is Rich Baby, and I'm back, and I'm sitting here with three outstanding uh, individuals who we're having a discussion about ways to be able to shore up your home against the negative elements as far as the wind and rain and all the other things you have to be concerned about. Trying to make sure you learn how the things that you yourself can do today is what part we are right now to be able to make sure you have a way of cutting your utility costs. So, John, you were speaking before, and the question that came to mind, if I understood you and understand uh, uh, the, the, the construction stuff is totally, I'm totally clueless on That's why I need people like you in my life. But, uh, you, I thought I heard you say you blocked the the floor under the, the say, let's say the first floor to because you didn't nearly need to be heating that area. My concern: what happens to the pipes, the water pipes? At that point, it's necessary to do something like uh, apply a heater down there, or um, you can put the uh, space heater down there, or um, to make insulation kits that are. Uh, made to fit over your water pipes, or um, you can also just leave a, one faucet in your house running very, very lightly, and that that motion through the pipes will keep your pipes from freezing. Or you can, they also have these uh, electric kits that you can plug in, and it has a wire that you wrap around your water supply, and uh, and that can keep your pipes warm as well. The easiest, most foolproof method is, is to just to leave the faucet running. Yeah, if I may, yeah, if I may add, add something to that, you know, you're your base, your basement is, is buried in uh, 55 degree dirt. And, uh, it's probably the least likely place that you're going to get frozen pipes is in your basement. Where you're going to get your frozen pipes is at your kitchen sink that's on, you know, on an outside wall. So I, I haven't had any trouble. When I'm, we make presentations in neighborhood groups in Wyandotte County, uh, those, those little tubing things you can get to put around your pipes in the basement. I, I made sure to make them aware of that, that that was something they could do because, you know, peace of mind is is probably the best thing you can do for, for the folks who live in those kind of circumstances. And I think it made them realize, in fact, my missus was out of town when we had with the grandbabies when we had that uh, 30 windshield, 30 degree factor here a week or so ago. And when we were talking on the phone, the one thing she mentioned was she felt like that that was going to be a benefit, us having those things around our pipes down there. So I wanted to make sure we got that out there. Okay, back to you, Paul. Take us where you're going to go. This is your section. you got a good 10 minutes here. All right, well, I'd like John to continue with um, sort of an outline, uh, again, on a continuum 
of what people can do on their own. Uh, for example, the uh, the idea of going to Lowe's and getting a $35 laser thermometer, so things of that nature, kind of a graded approach, John, if you will. Sure. So, yeah, any uh, sealing of your air barrier that you can do of your house will uh, drastically increase your energy efficiency. Areas like windows, uh, the perimeter around your window and the window itself, can leak uh, penetrations from uh, mechanical penetrations, electrical and plumbing, gas. Uh, sometimes where those enter your home, they're not sealed very well. You can go around and uh, steal with foam and spray foam insulation around those in the, in the inside. And you can also uh, use caulking and whatnot on the outside to seal the outside. Paul, does you have- Yes, I did want to mention, and I want to clarify this, I'm fairly certain of it, but, you know, if you want to see what it's like outside, you know, open your door and go outside. The windows are killing, all right? They're single pane windows. They're killing you. You got to hang thermal curtains on them. And what he did, I'm most sure, is he sealed them shut. He sealed those windows shut. So they cannot leak any air. And, you know, just give up on opening the window. Most of, most of those old windows are so hard to open, you can't get them open anyway. Yeah, all the windows that were not necessary to uh, maintain egress so that there was, you know, you still need a way of escaping your house in the event of a fire. You want to have multiple exits and whatnot. But all the windows that were not necessary to achieve that, we did seal shut with copper. I'm going to throw this in on you. One thing that I found, um, John and Paul, is that the the age on the homes we're talking about in the inner city were built with fireplaces. Many of them have fireplaces in almost every room. Okay. Now, I know that now that the new tenants or the new people started living in those homes, I like to make a joke about it, but they fired up for burning firewood when they first get in there. And they'll have, they'll buy some firewood, have it in the back of the house, and they'll burn that wood every day when it's cold outside up until they find out when you burn wood, you also got to clean the fireplace because those ashes can get to the point that you have a new chore. And I, I have found that uh, uh, that becomes the end of the excitement about burning the fireplace. So now we got these fireplaces sitting around in these homes, not being used, I see them as just like a built-in air shaft. Uh, do you have any? It's exactly what they are, uh, okay. built-in air shaft. And whenever possible, it's, uh, and it can be rather expensive to do, but getting ready your chimneys and, uh, and your fireplace all the way down to the ceiling, the entire, from the roof all the way through to where the fireplace is, is the best option you can do. There are better options if you want to do do wood burning in your house to uh, achieve a better result. Things like thermal mass wood burner um, fireplaces that um, uh, have less of those problems and, and more of a residual effect. But the, um, but yeah, generally speaking, they are definitely a big vulnerability in these older homes. Yes, sir. I know that uh, when I was working with those neighborhood groups, I, you know, back in in our days with our parents. My father, I mean, he was the uh, put the plastic on the on the windows on those kind of openings. Uh, even when I went to college, he had me. I didn't put them outside like he did with the beautiful work, but I would get me some plastic and stapler and staple it to the inside of my house, and you could immediately see it puff out as soon as you got it put on there with the blocking the air that's coming in. So do you think even that could be uh, a minor but yet still a cost-saving uh, uh, act? 
Well, there is this, uh, they make these products are called window insulation shrink kits. And uh, they're essentially uh, double-sided tape and some thin plastic. And what you do is you run a perimeter around your opening, you a fireplace, a window, a door, whatever, a four-sided perimeter, and then you peel off the, the film of that tape, and then you apply a thin sheet of shrink plastic over that so it's firmly seated on all the double-sided tape at the perimeter. And then you hit it with a blow dryer, and it pulls itself until taut, and it, it's a complete seal. Uh, nothing's coming through there whatsoever. And you, can and you do it inside. from inside. Yeah, you do this from inside. This is this is low-hanging fruit. You can do it for 2 to $8 and open. Yeah, I hope you people listening out there take notes of this. Uh, even if you don't remember it thoroughly, you can go to Home Depot or uh, the other one and just ask, you know, what what is it that you can use to, to, to do something like that to help you as far as cutting off or tightening up your holes? During the period you got, I heard you saying the thing about literally taking those daggone fireplace out, but that's a cost issue, right? Yeah, it could be very expensive, but the, the yeah. ceiling over um, yeah. is is definitely something that you can do on the inside, and it, it's safe to do that uh, without necessarily checking for uh, what I'm going to say next. But but uh, you don't want to uh, seal your chimney unless you are like actual, you know, in the chimney or at this at the roof level unless you're sure that nobody has run any mechanical uh, vents through there or anything like that. A lot of times in these older houses, they come back in and they put in gas heat. They'll, they'll pipe that through your chimney. So you don't want to seal your chimney off at your roof level or in the chimney, but it's totally safe to do so at the fireplace level with something like that uh, window shrink kit. I know that, that, that um, it's not what you're doing at your place, Paul, as far as those heat pumps and stuff, but that heat pump, Use of heat pumps is back on back in the news, and, and you know uh, when I first uh, when it first was a hot item, Pete, there was still that the jury was still out on whether this was the best thing to use or not. Where are you on the heat pumps? Let me uh, hit that hit that one real quick before before I'm, I'm going to turn that over to John because he has more expertise. But uh, uh, I believe the heat pump is. Uh, synonymous with or very closely related to the mini split and the mini splits are small units that are used for passive house which we're very much involved in and passive house is air tightness and uh, insulation energy recovery ventilators so that uh, whatever is you know you pump air out of your house and you recover the heat as it goes out and you're pumping your house full of fresh uh, air under the passive house and what we're doing here in this discussion is emulating uh, passive house. But once you get your, your house energy efficient, then you can dispense with that big uh, gas uh, heater and you can go to the mini split uh, heat pump and, and that's state of the art now. That's what that's what people are doing. John? Uh, they make smaller units that um, you can use to just meet your needs in, in some of these older houses uh, that are they're pretty cost-effective uh, to make in the realm of a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks can do a, a small house with um, maybe splitting a couple outlets. But the um, the only thing that, uh, concerning the heat pump and the, the mini split as your primary heater, you want to make sure you have an electric heater as well, some, some portable heaters or something like that to go along with that, because the heat pump can only pump or heat uh, the heat pump portion of the mini split can only pump heat down to a certain temperature that it is outside. So when it gets really cold, like the sub-zero temperatures, you're no longer going to be able to use that heat pump to fill your house with heat. So you, that's where you want to have that emergency uh, 
additional supplemental electrical heat. But yeah, it, it, until you get to that point, until you get to that yeah. point, they are super efficient. I'm saying, but that's good news. No, that's good information to have. So that, that if people are considering that, make sure that you talk to somebody about these things, man. Because, like he's saying, when it gets down to what we just experienced, it'll be of no value. So you then you go in with the heat pumps. Not, not the heat pump, but the heaters. My concern with the heaters is in the low-income communities, we keep hearing up fires breaking out with them. So, again, those are things to be concerned about. I'm down to our last minute. We're getting ready to take another break. And then when we come back on, Mr. Mr. Rich, it's your show, buddy. I want you to be able to come in and let's see what we can get generated through your conversation. This is KKFI. This is Richard Mabian. That's 90.1 FM. Be back with you in a second. Do you have feedback about the shows you hear on KKFI? The KKFI Listener Survey is the way to let us know. You can go online to kkfi.org slash survey and give us your thoughts on our programming. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizewitz, and this is Climate Connections. Visit a northeastern forest in spring, and you may see a shallow wetland filled with frogs, salamanders, and fairy shrimp. These wetlands are called vernal pools. They hold water from winter to early spring, then dry out over the summer. Because they typically dry out each year, they don't contain fish, which makes them important predator-free breeding habitat for a lot of amphibians. That's Jennifer Cartwright of the U.S. Geological Survey. She's concerned that as the climate warms, new precipitation patterns and hotter temperatures could make some vernal pools dry out faster. And if they go dry too early, it might be before some amphibians have had a chance to complete their life cycles. So you could even have tadpoles drying out and dying in vernal pools. While at the Lower Mississippi Gulf Water Science Center, Cartwright was part of a team that studied hundreds of vernal pools from West Virginia to Maine. They identified which would dry out earlier and which would hold water longer under various climate scenarios. She says the data can help natural resource managers prioritize their efforts to protect important habitat as the climate warms. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. All right, this is Richard Megan again and I'm here at KKFI. And we've been having quite a conversation that I think is very timely, uh, especially based on what we all just went through weather-wise here last couple of weeks. And um, I think uh, John and Paul, you did a wonderful job, man, and uh, and getting the tempo of that kind of conversation across and started. Uh, if, in fact, someone wanted to ask you other questions or things, is there, do you have a, 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 a place that you could be contacted, that you could uh, get with us on the air? If you don't want to put it on the air, you can get it to us, that so we can have a way if they contact us, we can contact you, and then you can contact them, whatever. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh I'm always available at my email at uh, John Grahovac, J O H N G R A H O B A C, at gmail.com. And uh, happy to answer any questions anybody has and help them out with uh, anything they might need. Appreciate it. All right, here we go, buddy. 
Wait. You well, know the, yeah, you know, you know my, you know my drill. It's like show me the money. <laughs> so, so Richard, what's the average utility bill you think in the in the low income community? Which I know set? for a fact, I live in Kansas City, Kansas, and my 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 average bill is five hundred and fifty dollars a month. Now, granted, there are a lot of other things that's on that bill that causes it to be that high, but. That's the question that you're asking, and that's what the people that live over here have to deal with. So average, it runs about five fifty a month. So, so if, if we went through these weatherization techniques, either on our own or with the contractor to seal up our house, what would that reduce the bill to, do you know? I bet you these two fellas would know, John or Paul, but they both live in that camp. Oh, okay. Well, well let me give it a shot. If I may, and I'm going to answer a different question, uh, okay. but it'll give you an idea of the answer to your question. The um, a 2,000 square foot home built to the passive house standard of air tightness and insulation and proper windows will use about twenty dollars per month in heating and cooling costs over the course of a year. So. That's what you can accomplish with a retrofit if you go deep enough to uh, reach passive house performance. And then, you know, then it's a continuum. If you go for the long-hanging fruit, you know, you're not going to have as much savings. But, frankly, the air typing that we've described, like I said, I, we, I just went to 8 degrees below zero with no heating system. That's all I got right now. Right. Go ahead, John. Oh, sorry. Uh, with the combination of good behavior and and, uh, and practice and and those low hanging fruit items, you can realistically get down to sixty percent of what the original bill is. But you got to also, you know, have everybody in the house focused on achieving that same goal of keeping that bill low. Uh, the behavior of the residents is, is paramount to, to making sure that you can keep that bill low. But yeah, about sixty percent reduction, I'd say, maybe maybe more, depending on the house. So, so that's two hundred dollars a month, and I guess in Richard's case, and times twelve months, that's twenty four hundred dollars a year. That's that sounds like a cruise to me, Caribbean cruise, or you could save the money for something. <laughs> sounds like a maybe part of tuition for someone going to college. So, to me, there's a lot of money in that. But I also know that there are some people that are handy, and with a little bit of training, they could do this for themselves, and they might do it for free for some of their neighbors. John, do you ever give classes on how to do this? I don't have a, a class that I've given so far, but it's definitely something I would be interested in doing. Yeah, one of our one of our key partners in our Four City project is a curriculum developer, and um, you know that would be a great uh, community service, maybe even through the CAP agency, Richard, or one of your uh, community groups to to train up some of the people that that are able bodied and uh, receptive. To maybe help out some of the folks that aren't. Of course, I think like a business, Richard. So I'm like, I see a company here, right, that we could set up a weatherization company. And uh, those are some great entry level job skills, creates a supportive work environment for the right kind of people to, uh, to uh, sort of seed the local generative economy with skilled workers and uh, profit sharing in the form of a social impact investment account, right? We've talked about that. I think it'd be good to bring people up to up to uh, understanding where we're coming from yep. with the recent passing of the infrastructure 
bill that Biden's administration did that pumping all of these billions and billions of dollars into the, 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 the America across the nation to redo a lot of the infrastructure problems that we have going on within that uh, uh, bill they created what's called Justice 40 and that Justice 40 bill is saying that I think it's 40% of the money that's coming out is designated to be spent in the disadvantaged low income community. That's about $10 billion. Yes. So say what? That's about $10 billion with a B dollars. Dollars. And so with, with, with Americans being the the greed seekers that we have, you have everybody out here, almost said everybody and their daddy, sorry you two, out there going after this money. And, and and they're trying to figure out ways to be able to to get this retrofitting stuff because, like I said, everybody knows that every home and building in America needs to be retrofitted. So they're dealing with everything they can to get in. Now, I'm not opposed to that. This is America. It's supposed to be competitive. It's supposed to be available to each and every one. But what I'm trying to do is to get the idea that within the confines of us seeking that money, that some of that money is used toward job training and workforce development in the bill. They specifically, Department of Energy, added a section that's for job training and workforce development in the low-income community. I think of business. I think of, uh, of, of companies. Uh, I'd love to see. My theory is to get the low-income folks that are totally unskilled in a position that they learn to become, to perfect the retrofitting business in homes in their own neighborhoods. Can you see people getting up and just walking across the street doing the work that needs to be done? If you saw where John and Paul live, that neighborhood would be ideal for the type of work that we're talking about starting to be done in our inner cities. And in the process of them learning the skills, see, here's the thing that I'm going to say, and I don't want people taking the fist. The reason that the war on property has been selling, we've been getting people trained for jobs and then end up hiring them on a job with a redneck supervisor. And it don't work. And people want to know why. So we want to make sure we got people like jobs that are coming up to the table and being a part of it. So we also, in my area that I'm working on, is reaching out for the 24 to 40 year old college graduate. Those people who have got degrees in areas they can't even get a job in. The ones that was out there on the pariahs all over the country talking about the, how, how, how screwed up the working is in America. We want to get them a new skill. I had the mayor of Roland Park said he would work with us and create a business course for, with his KU friends because they didn't go to school for business. They went to school for psychological classes and teaching and all that kind of stuff. But we could get them to become the entrepreneurs, to be like John. And that way, that way we have people who are getting the skills, that are getting hired by people who will treat them with the kind of dignity that's needed. 
So that's what we're sitting there talking about. Rick came on the scene and he has this idea of creating this four city project. Now we'll be on it every time we own it. I'll keep mentioning this and then you'll finally die on you what I'm talking about. We want to do it in Patterson, New Jersey. We're going to do it in Kansas City, Kansas. We, we got it set up to do it in Tacoma, Washington. And the fourth race is Birmingham, Alabama. So we want to do it as a prototype so that the decision makers in Washington, D.C. will see that this can be done. Me being elected to the NEJAC, that's the first thing I took to the board, to the group, as far as what I say here to people out here in our community saying they want to see done. So we got, we own the board now. They're giving us until March to come up with some type of presentation of how we can go about setting this up to see how it looks. That's why Rick and I are doing these sessions that we got lined up going through the next couple of months. Yeah, so I'm going to give you an example of a fella in Kansas City. I'm not going to use his name to protect the innocent, you know. But uh, he was a very, very successful assisted living center uh, developer and operator. And, uh, you know, he's uh, about 70 years old. And uh, I had a meeting with him and I said, listen, are you sick of throwing your money away and not seeing anything change? I said, I'm sick of it. I'm sure the government's sick of it. And, um, you know, would you be open to doing philanthropy with your business skill. And he, you know, he said, tell me more. And I said, well, how about this? I finance your next assisted living centers. We put one in the suburbs and one in the city. Um, so we're, we're, we're putting up the money. We'll pay the business owner a management fee because he's a technical expert in his business. And so we'll make sure he gets his money. But what we'll do is we'll keep the equity in the community and we will do a profit share with the, the employees that work for that for that business in the form of a social impact investment account. Very similar to a 401k, uh, except that instead of giving Wall Street the money, the money stays in the local community and the ha it has to be invested in local entrepreneurs. People that would ne normally never get a bank loan, but people in the neighborhood know they're good people that would work hard and could run a business. So, you know, that's that's the model that we're trying to achieve. So so John and Paul, I mean, I would kind of pose the same kind of question to you. You know, would you be willing to start a joint venture with us? And I'm putting you on the spot so you can say, I don't know, I need to learn more. Where we financed a new company that did this type of work, but it would be a supportive workplace. So our the people we train don't have to go out to crackers work for crackers but can, can work in the community in a supportive workplace but we can we can make the company profitable by also getting grants as a workforce development and an entrepreneurial training facility the best way to learn how to work is that a job the best way to run a learn how to run a company is by by seeing how a good company is run right would you guys ever consider starting a weatherization company with us like that does that have any appeal for you I'm going to hand it over to John, but I'm just going to tell you preliminarily that the name of our nonprofit urban farm is Cordero Gardens Mutual Aid Society. Oh, my gosh, I love it. We set that up to start mutually aiding people with food and to branch off into everything that we could help people with, including this sort of thing. John has a comment as well. 
Yeah, I'm just uh, wanted to say I love everything that you're talking about. I, I um, hadn't heard of, of such a such an account or such a plan, but um, absolutely um, have interest in that. My affluent friends have a lot of money sitting in donor advised funds. They're not giving it to the traditional charities because they don't see them changing anything. But if we had a social impact investment account, you know, my friends would would maybe match the investment if they were successful in their investing. So it really connects the wealthy community to the less wealthy community in a real and, and uh, approximate way, you know, uh, in your neighborhood or in your region. So there's a lot of opportunities. As usual, our time runs by fast when we have fun. And this has been a really good show. I knew it would be. Uh, we're opening the minds of people who are listening to other alternatives than begging the government for money because that becomes a political game. And the people who lose on political games are the low-income community or the caliber people that we are serving. So everybody, we got to get ready to go. Everybody, thanks, Paul, John, Rick. You know I love you, man. We're in great shape. We'll be back on, Rick and I will be back on January 23rd. Mark your calendar. You need to be here. Everybody else, thank you for coming in, and God bless you all. Happy New Year! Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, KKFI is looking for new volunteers to train and apply to be overnight music DJs. We're specifically looking for volunteers to cover overnight time slots between 1 and 5 a.m. If you're interested, you can apply now to become a new volunteer at KKFI. There will be an extensive training process involved that may take a few months after which you would then need to apply for your own show through our new program application process. You can find the volunteer application on our website at kkfi.org under the Volunteer tab. This is Professor Howard Zinn. The independent, non-commercial radio station you're listening to is really important in the maintenance of democracy. Thomas Jefferson once said, an informed democracy will behave in a reasonable manner. So if you care about being informed, if you care about democracy, if you're a reasonable person, you are, of course. Please support your source for uncensored news and views and the voice of your community. My name is Darnell. At the end of our hour, here's some environmental news for the week of January 2nd, 2023. Democracy Now! reports. In South Dakota, the National Guard was called in to help dig out thousands of people trapped in their homes, many without power, at the Pine Ridge and Rosebud Reservation, which saw at least 30 inches of snowfall. In Jackson, Mississippi, residents remain under a boil water notice after freezing temperature caused pipes to burst. Federal regulators are launching an inquiry into the preparedness of U.S. power systems for extreme weather events. Climate activists say the current fossil fuel-based energy system has again revealed its unreliability and are urging for greater investment in sustainable energy infrastructure. A lawsuit warns plastic containers used in a lot of common household products contain high levels of so-called forever chemicals known by the acronym PFAS, which has been linked to cancer, liver disease, and reproductive health issues. The lawsuit says Texas-based company Enhance produces tens of millions of plastic containers which could leach PFAS into food. Personal care products and cleaning supplies manufacturers 
Stern giant 3M announced last week it will stop all production of PFAS by 2026. California has sued 3M and other companies for contaminating the state's drinking water, rivers, lakes, wildlife, and residents with the forever chemicals. Inside Climate News reports, California is contending with its driest three-year period on record. Now, the watershed and the reservoir where this drought began have become the proving ground for an innovative water agreement that aims to make more of scarce supplies. Creators say the program could become a prototype for accords elsewhere, a beacon of collaboration in places where water can be contentious. The agreement allows water users to voluntarily conserve. The water left over can be passed on to other users in the area who have less priority and, without the program, may have been left with nothing. The state hired a facilitator to help water users work together. With warmer temperatures due to climate change, Chicago has experienced more frequent and severe storms in recent decades, leaving residents of basement apartments at increased risk of flooding. Current legislation doesn't address flooding in basement apartments, but it does provide funding for landlords to help bring their apartments up to code, which helps renters live in safe apartments. Some improvements to help prevent damage during and after a flood are a sump pump, risers for furniture, and waterproof drywall. 2022 will be remembered as the year the U.S. became the world's largest exporter of liquefied natural gas. The fossil fuel industry achieved the milestone despite the Biden administration's ambitious climate goals for reducing greenhouse gas emission banned with the president's full support. EcoWatch reports a 400-megawatt solar array planned for the village of Williamsport, Ohio, has been canceled following strong opposition from local residents and elected officials. The canceled project will mean a loss of renewable energy as well as a $3.6 million per year of tax revenue that would have gone back into the local community. The project called Chipmunk Solar was developed by EDF renewables, but local campaigning led the company to formally withdraw its application. The Chipmunk Solar Project had an estimated lifespan of about 30 years, during which it would have generated about $100 million in revenues for the local government. Property owners who offered to lease land for the project will lose a total of around $3 million per year in lease payments. Chipmunk Solar was expected to power about 75,000 homes. The project initially seemed as though it would easily obtain approval, but opponents campaigned that the solar array would replace some of the local farmland and destroy the soil and water in the area. Local governments ended up passing resolutions against Chipmunk Solar. Sustainability Action Newsletter reports. Populations of vertebrates, mammals, birds, amphibians, reptiles, and fish have seen a devastating 69% drop in their numbers on average since 1970. 
global freshwater species have also been disproportionately impacted, declining 83% on average. World Wildlife Fund's Living Planet Reports 2022 identifies several key drivers of biodiversity decline, including habitat loss, species overexploitation, invasive species, pollution, climate change, and diseases. NewAtlas.com reports. Chinese researchers have demonstrated a seawater electrolyzer that works as efficiently as a commercial freshwater electrolyzer for months on end without corroding itself to death. An electrolyzer is a system that uses electricity to break water into hydrogen and oxygen. It also looks like these machines could harvest lithium too. Canary Media Reports One of the most consequential choices facing the U.S. power sector has been whether or not to keep building fossil fuel plants. The passage of the Inflation Reduction Act has altered the economics of this choice. Natural gas has displaced coal in the last few decades, and fossil gas now delivers more electricity in the United States than any other source. New gas-fired power plants remain the default choice when utilities need to know they'll have power on demand, something that wind and solar cannot promise on their own. But analysts and climate advocates argue that portfolios of complementary clean energy tools can play a similarly reliable role for the grid. Instead of one large gas plant, mixtures of solar, wind, energy efficiency, flexible consumer demands and energy storage across a given region can deliver power throughout the day and night without greenhouse gas emissions. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Please tune in next week or listen to our podcast. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Eco Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Lugo, Terry Wilking, Brent Drysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Midcoast Media Project. You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on Eco Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org. This is Richard Maiden, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next is Fiesta Musicale, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music is Big Yellow Taxi by Jody Mitchell. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Ooh.